You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, Pasco Vale. And welcome to another beautiful Sunday in the Lord. And for those who are listening online as well, a warm welcome. Now, we hope you enjoyed the two spiritual gifts messages that was given and that you're now aware of the spiritual gifts that you have and how you can use it for the common good of God's kingdom. If you missed it, it's okay. We still have a couple of copies of the uh, questionnaires outside if you want to take them out and fill them out. Uh, If not, you can approach me as well and I can send you a digital copy um, for you to have a go at. Now, to further complement these messages that we just had, we're now recommencing the God's Plan for the World series based on the book of Luke. And the next six messages will take us all the way through Christmas. Wow, how time flies, isn't it? 2022 is almost over. And so don't waste the opportunity to serve the Lord with your spiritual gifts and also to preach the good news. Um, let, let not that opportunity slip away from you this year. But let us be bold in our proclamation of, the, of Jesus and what he has done for us, especially now that we are approaching the Christmas season. It's the excellent opportunity, the best time that you can invite someone to your home, to your uh, community, to join us in the Christmas celebrations and also share the ultimate gift that is Jesus. So before we begin, let's just bow our heads and prepare our hearts as we ask God to reveal and the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to hear your word and to uh, reflect upon it and to be challenged by it so that, Lord, we can become more like you each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, our message today begins with Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So the context of this passage is after Jesus has sent the 12 apostles in Luke 9, we read in Luke 10 that he appointed a further 72 others and sent them on ahead of them. Now Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 to 6 tells us that the 12 apostles Jesus sent out was to go nowhere among the Gentiles or the Samaritans but rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, the 12 disciples were picked, the 12 disciples who were picked was to represent the 12 tribes of Israel, and their ministry was predominantly to the Jews. So have you ever asked yourself why Jesus then chose another 72 and sent them out on a mission trip? What does the 72 represent? Well, friends, Jesus didn't pick these numbers out of convenience, but from intent. Well, there is some debate between whether it's actually 72 according to the Greek text or 70 according to the Hebrew text. The point of the 72 or 70 was to represent the nations of the world. And you find that in the table of nations. Jesus wanted the message of the good news to proclaim first to the Jews and then to the ends of the world. The significance of this There is a significance of this to us because the gospel was not limited to the Jews alone. It is to be spread and God's greater plan was to reach the world through Jesus. 
The mission of the 72 is clearly distinguished and contrasted with the 12 by the words others. They were not called disciples, they were called others. Or the apostles, they were called others. These people were selected, were not close disciples of Jesus like the 12. They were not given any designation, nor were their names mentioned in Scripture. We do not know even what nationality they come from or where, what their origins were. But they had a role to play that, which is as significant as the apostles did. And that is to proclaim God's kingdom to the nations. Unlike the 12 disciples who were instructed not to go beyond the confines of the house of Israel, there was actually no limits set on the 72. In other words, there is no limits as to how far they could go or should go to proclaim the message. Friends, this is important to us because whilst we are not called, all called to do full-time missions or ministry, we are called to serve the Lord regardless of our position or our, our significance in the church. To proclaim the message of peace to the nations is God's command. Each of us, each of us in this room, and all disciples who say they profess their faith in Christ have a role to play in God's kingdom. And it's important that we understand that. I know the thought of going out there to share the gospel with someone is scary. Or to proclaim Jesus in our culture today is daunting. You know, sometimes it puts us in conflict with the jobs that we do too. And that's a reality. In my youth, I recall proclaiming Jesus was one of my greatest fear. I did not know what to say. Didn't have the courage to approach others. I didn't know where to start. And I did not want to be put in an uncomfortable position. But yet, yet I'm now today standing here in front of you preaching the word of God. To yourselves and sometimes to strangers on the street. No one is ever ready. God brings us there. God goes with us as he did with the 72. The important lesson that was not taught to me as a young person was that we go not by our own means, but by Jesus who is sending us out. Jesus did not expect me to do outreach by myself and with my own strength, but he will send others to do it together with me and he will follow in due course. We are merely going ahead of him and we are called to partner with others to support one another in the work of outreach. The important thing to remember is this, and, this is, and that is Jesus himself. Jesus himself will go with you as well. Into every town, every place where he sends us, he himself was about to go. Jesus is not a leader that sits and orders us from afar. He's a leader by, who leads by example, and he has promised us that he's going to dare with you. Now, often our fear of reaching out to others is that we think we are the ones that is responsible for convincing someone of the truth of the gospel that, is, that, that my friends, is so far from the truth. Matthew 16 verse 17 tells us that those who call upon Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, are those with whom 
God has revealed himself to. Jesus answered Simon Peter when he acknowledged that Jesus is the Christ by saying, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but by the Father who is in heaven. So friends, it is not us that changes the heart of the person. It is not us that converts the person. It is God who does that. We are but the message of peace, the bringer of the good news. And that's what actually evangelism means. The word evangelism is the bringer of good news. Now, while some may say, oh, if it's God who will reveal himself to the people, why does he need us? Well, for starters, we are not God, and we do not know who God will reveal himself to. Because he loves all people. He wants us to proclaim the good news to everyone, despite what God will do. Even, even when one hears the good news and Christ is revealed to the person, and that person still has choice, that person still has a choice of whether he or she is willing to follow Jesus or not. But are we, but as we are not the judge and we do not know who will respond positively or negatively, we are called to proclaim the word to God regardless to each and every soul that's out there. Just as the 70 or 72 were sent out, so are we sent out to proclaim Jesus to the nations. Now often we look pessimistically at our success rate or our proclamation, but Jesus tells us otherwise. Jesus says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Friends, have you been to an orchard during harvest time? Do you only see one or two fruit? Or do you see many, like what's in the box right here? You know, the peach and stone fruit season is just about to hit us. Just take a look around and you'll see the fruits coming soon. What happens if the harvesters do not pick the fruit in time? What happens? Friends, you know what will happen. They will rot. They'll be destroyed, isn't it? Whilst we think to ourselves that our work is insignificant and that what we do will not yield much return, Jesus tells us the opposite is true. Think about it. Just look around the world today. There is so much pain, suffering and hurt. There's so much pride, anger, and broken relationships. And what is the answer to the world's problems, my friends? Jesus. If people could only see for what he represents, so many problems of this world can be solved. I'm not, however, suggesting we go out there and stuff the Bible down the throats of people and expect them to convert and become Christians. No. But instead, of but instead we are called to demonstrate our love, compassion, faith, grace and mercy in our workplaces, our sphere of influences, in our society, and to our family members. We can show, them the, we can show the world that Jesus is the answer. Not with yelling and screaming at others like we see in some of those YouTube videos and some news channels but move them with the love that Jesus has shown each and every one of us. Friends, 
Jesus calls us to pray, to pray for the people. He calls us to be a people of prayer. We're called not just to pray, but to pray earnestly, earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. There should be an urgency in our prayer. Friends, according to the World Health Organization, in just 2022 alone, about 60 million people have died. 60 million people. Divide that by 365 days in a year, and we'll find approximately 164,384 people died each day. Someone, 164,384 people died just today. Friends, of that number, approximately only 29.2% is evangelized. That makes 115,000 souls we lose each day for an eternity. Do we see an issue here? Do we see an urgent need here? There are approximately 8 billion people in 2022. By the same percentage, there are over 5.68 billion people who have yet to be reached in this year alone. Where do we think the eternity is heading? Friends, this number is too huge for one person alone to handle. But if we put it in perspective, Put it in perspective, there is about 2.2 billion Christians worldwide. 2.2 billion Christians. If every Christian just did their bit, that great work we can achieve. In the, what, think about what great work we can achieve in the Lord. Now, sadly, many of us do not see the need or the urgency to reach someone else to the Lord, isn't it? Friends, those statistics are not made to make you feel that you have to be on a guilt trip. Nor was it intended to suggest that it is our responsibility to convert people. No, my friends, that is not what God has called you to do, as I said before. He is calling you to bring the peace of the good news to the world. He will do the rest. As the world rejected Jesus, so will many true, though he will come in peace, because the world prefers chaos because of man's sin. Bring the message of peace, I know, can be also hard. Let's not sugarcoat it. Jesus tells us that we will face challenges. He tells us we'll be cautious as he's setting out, uh, us out as lambs in the midst of wolves. We will be gentle. We will be kind. But the world will seek to devour, take advantage, even destroy because they are at odds with the will of God. To bring the message of peace in a world of chaos can be dangerous. Now think the story of Graham Staines as one of many stories. Now Graham Staines was an Australian Christian missionary who along with his two sons, Philip's age 10 and age 6, was burnt to death in India by members of a Hindu fundamentalist group called Basran Hal. Staines worked in Odisha since 1965 in caring for people with leprosy 
and looking after the tribal people in the area who lived in abject poverty. He loved many the Christ, but the fundamentalists who killed him accused him of forcibly coercing these people into believing in the Christian faith, despite them not doing anything for these people and treated them as the untouchables and unloved and shunned due to the Hindu religion. Or we take the story of Andrew Thorman recently as another example. He was forced to resign as assistant chief executive 24 hours after being appointed because he's associated with a church that condemned homosexuality and abortion, which were in direct contradiction to the values of the AFL club. In a public statement, Thorman summed up the situation briefly by saying, my personal Christian faith, he said, is not tolerated or permitted in the public square. Friends, despite the challenges we may face or the threats and dangers we may encounter, we must not lose focus. We must not let the challenges we may encounter make us lose focus on the task that needs to be done. Luke chapter 10 verse 4 tells us the others to carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. He goes on to tell them to greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, say, peace be to you, to this house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, he will return to you. Friends, Jesus wants us to be resolute in our task of reaching others. He does not want us to be distracted by the earthly and material things that may weigh us down. He commands us to be focused on the task of outreach as there is an urgency in reaching the lost. Friends, do you feel the urgency? Now Jesus' commands to the others and to the disciples was to show them that when Jesus was with them and have sent them out, they do not need anything more. You don't need anything else. There is no other reason why we cannot go because the Lord will provide the rest. Often we let the needs, the wants of our lives distract us from doing God's will, isn't it? Or sometimes we give an excuse that we need to get our affairs in order before we can do the important work of outreach. Jesus tells us that there's all malarkey, excuses that we make up for ourselves not to go. Jesus tells us to go, and the Son of Peace is there. Our peace will rest upon him. If not, he will return to us. Friends, our role in God's plan to reach the world is not a forced conversion or do it in our own strength. Our role is merely to bring the message of peace to a world that is so desperately, so desperately in need of it. Scripture tells us that if the Son of Peace is there, not only will He receive the message of peace, but He will also welcome you into their hospitality. We are called to share in their joy and appreciate their hospitality, but we are also called to be loving and respectful and to eat what is set before us and to heal the sick when necessary. But most importantly of all, we are to proclaim to them that the kingdom of God has come near. You. you know, hospitality, loving and caring for others is often regarded as a hallmark of a genuine Christian believer because Jesus commands us to love one another, to love our neighbours as ourselves. This includes feeding the poor and healing the sick, isn't it? And 
through the Christian traditions. Take the Abworth Hospital, for example. It was opened in March 1920s as a 25-bed community hospital, and it later grew to become Victoria's largest not-for-profit private hospital. The first hospital was initiated by the annual Methodist Conference. It was named after a town in England, which was the birthplace of John and Charles Wesley, the early leaders of the Methodist Church and Methodist Religious Movement. Many other care institutions and schools were also set up for caring for our neighbours and proclaiming the good news in mind so that we can proclaim Jesus through their love and compassion. Sadly, despite what Jesus does, there will always be those who will reject his love, no matter what circumstances might be. But God does not give up on us and continue to love us all the way to the very end. He wants us to continue to preach the gospel, even to these people, so that there is no excuse to say that God did not give them a chance to hear the message of peace. Because His love for us is genuine, He does not compel you to love Him back, but He stays patiently waiting in the background for us to change our mind and return back to Him. He gives us a way out, but it's our choice if we choose to accept his solution or not. It's our choice whether we accept him as our saviour or not. Certainly, despite everything, there will be those who will actively rebel against God as Satan did. Scripture tells us that it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for the town of those who reject Jesus. I'm sure we are all familiar with the story of Sodom and the burning sulfur, and so on and so forth. Because of our original sin, we have no chance of salvation, but Jesus provides us a hope. However, rejection of that hope, there is no more excuse for our rebellion against Jesus. Woe to you, Charleston. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have been repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But, will, but it will be more bearable in the judgment of Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be exalted to heaven? No, you shall be brought down to Hades. I'm sure when we did the Ezekiel study, you have heard of the town, the city called uh, uh, Tyre and Sidon in that passage. And you hear the judgment that befell them. It was not a good sign. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Friends, we often fear that people will reject us when we proclaim the gospel to them. But bear in mind, my friends, the plight of the one who rejects the message will face a far worse judgment than anything they can ever do to us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28 to 29 writes, Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and, profaned, and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged? the spirit of grace. 
Verse 31 of that same chapter says, The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Friends, stepping out in faith to share the gospel can be daunting. But when we do so, it's also very much rewarding. But don't take my words for it. See the 70 or 72 and say what they say. We are told they return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Friends, when we live by faith and act by faith, it's so joyous when you see the seed that you have planted mature and bear fruit. We may not always be the one that plants the first seed, but we can certainly be the ones to nurture that seed till it bears fruit. Friends, there is great joy in proclaiming Christ, and we should not see it as labor or laborious, but rather see it as a blessing, a blessing that you've been included in this great work that God has for you. Because not only does it bring peace to the hearer, it also brings joy to the person that proclaims it. This is because God has given us authority to face the dangers before us, and there is nothing that we can do that can hurt us. We should also rejoice that because we are doing God's will, that our names are written in heaven. We should, take, we should also take great joy in doing this because we are doing it for Jesus. We're doing it for Jesus. When we do it for Jesus, we know that it brings Him great joy. Chapter 10, verse 21 tells us that in the same hour, He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Not only does it bring joy to us, it brings joy to Jesus. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, he tells us that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner, over one sinner who repents. It's like an aha moment when you see your kids do what you ask of them, like clean up their room or do their homework by themselves or wash the plates after they've had their meal. In verse 21, Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. The word of God is not given only to the elite. It's given to everyone, even a child, so that we all, we all can understand and appreciate what God has done. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that have seen what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Blessed are you, my friends, when we go forth, and proclaim Christ's message to those who have an ear, uh, Christ's message to those who have an ear to hear. In conclusion, we are blessed to be able to be part of God's eternal plan to proclaim the gospel to all nations. This we can start by praying. Let's pray for the lost. Let's pray to the Lord of the harvest to send our workers to the harvest field, be it overseas missions or local ministry. Earnestly pray to God to use you 
in his will to proclaim the gospel to someone today, tomorrow, or before the year ends. Pray that God will use your spiritual gifts that you've been blessed with, that you've uncovered to proclaim the message of peace to someone else. After that, we must go. We must go make disciples of all nations as he has commanded in the Great Commission and to teach them everything that the Lord has commanded. And we know that Jesus will be with you, with us, to the very end of the age. Don't be afraid to speak to people about Jesus. We're not suggesting we go on a debate with non-believers, but begin simple. Invite them to your homes. Build relationships with them. Take opportunities to share your faith with them and how God has blessed you today and demonstrate God's love through your life and your interactions with them. If you need more help, you can refer to resources such as uh, this book here, How to Talk About Jesus by Sam Chan. He was our recent global missions keynote speaker. And if you want to have a glimpse of the book, there's actually a copy in, in, in the chapel hall. Last but not least, last but not least, we need to rejoice. Rejoice that you have been included in God's mission. Rejoice that you've been included to reach the unreached. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven when we do God's will of proclaiming the gospel. Rejoice when you see or are involved in another soul's salvation as they come to know Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Friends, do not be fearful, but go with boldness that you are doing and you're going ahead of Jesus. But ultimately, Jesus will go where you are going. And may the message of the good news or the message of peace be for the persons in whom we'll be sharing it with. That's right. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times that we make excuses not to bring your gospel or share your gospel with someone else. Forgive us for the times that we missed the opportunities that we were presented with to share the gospel. Lord, we are not, I guess, Lord, to be honest, we are afraid. We are scared. We don't know what to say to people. We don't know how people receive the message that we bring. And that fear has caused us as an obstacle to share our faith and our gospel with someone else or our testimony with someone else. Give us boldness. Give us an overflowing cup of love for those who have yet to hear your gospel because they need it so desperately. Lord, help each and every one of us here share the gospel with someone else so that they can have a taste of the love, the grace, the mercy that we experience each and every day. Help us, Lord, to be your light, to shine in the darkness of this world, to illuminate sin, to illuminate the evil one, and to give hope for the hopeless. Help us to bring reconciliation to relationships that are broken. 
Help us to bring peace to those who are in anger and hatred. Dear Lord, work in us and through us. We thank you for the privilege and the blessing to be a blessing for someone else. Lord, we pray for every single soul in this room. We have someone that we can talk to about Christ. We have that someone we can build our relationships with so that they become to know Christ. Inspire us. Speak to us. Guide us and show us where you want to go. And help us, Lord Father, to plant that seed for you. Challenge us today, Lord Father, to be your disciples, to be your feet, beautiful feet, that bring the good news of the peace. And we pray for those who are listening to what we say, that your peace will be upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.